0: Hola, amiga. Welcome back to the Amiga Rise podcast. I'm so excited today. I have a great friend, Sabrina Costillo, and it's more of a testimony sharing than it is a back and forth interview. I am so excited for you to hear her story. It is a longer episode than usual, but it is so worth the listen. I just re listened and I was blessed again by her story. I hope you get something from it as well. Share it with friends that you think need to listen. It's an incredible testimony of God's work in her life and how he completely turned it around in just a matter of her deciding to believe and uh, allowing him into her life. So take a listen, enjoy, and please share. Hola amiga, welcome to the Amiga Arise podcast. I'm Priscilla Gomez, your host and hopefully an amiga for a journey. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, therapist, and coach, but foremost, a daughter of the King Jesus. My life was transformed by the call that God has placed on my life, and I'm here to share how the clinical world taught me how to begin my healing process, but ultimately, only God was able to heal the darkest areas of my past. If you're ready to take a deeper look, find freedom, and step into flourishing God's way, I'm here to lend a helping hand as you step into your healing and your faith-filled life. So open up that journal, pop in those AirPods, and take a deep breath. We're about to embark on a beautiful journey of arising to your true self. Hola amiga. Welcome back to the Amiga Rice podcast. As you heard today, I have a dear friend, Sabrina Castillo. I actually had to pause (laughs) (laughs) and ask her her last name because I love her, but I don't know her last name. And there was this whole thing that we just did about, um, I thought it was Castillo and I thought, well, (laughs) we won't get into the details, but welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Um, Sabrina and I met at an organization called Testimony Life, where I do a lot of my in-person counseling, um, and we both just find um, Testimony Life to be a beautiful, safe haven and home for mm-hmm. um, our- ourselves, in, in professionally and and being in community and in family. It's it's a special place, and maybe mm-hmm. um, I'll talk about Testimony Life a little bit more in, in a different episode and start bringing on some of the staff members there and like talking about their different gifts and how they're walking with God and what kind of work they're doing, um, helping others just find identity mm-hmm. and community and purpose. Yes. Um, and I was just fascinated by you and you've recently started joining our kind of like our family gatherings, what we call them instead of staff meetings, it's our family gatherings yeah. because we are family and we're there to support one another and um, help each other grow um, in what God is calling us in this moment. Mm -hmm. And Sabrina and I got coffee not too long ago. And my goodness, your testimony in your life and what God is doing in your life is incredible. But if people were to have met you a few years ago... (laughs)
1: Right. Even if yeah. you would
0: have told yourself where you're at today, yeah, it might have been. I wouldn't really, believe them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, and yeah. so some of my listeners know the same thing about me. Like, there's people in my life today that mm-hmm. have known me for five five years ago, or you know, my entire life, depending who they are, and. I know that they've there's certain times they look at me and they're like, is this real? Like are these words really coming out of your mouth? Who are you? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. who is this person? Or they're waiting for me to like crack or break or or go back into some sort of pattern that they've seen in me before. But it's in it's it's all God, right? It's like it's like sometimes I have to reiterate that. Like, yeah, I'm not that way anymore because of this, not because I don't know, I've had this like profound
1: like (laughs) commitment to myself like me myself and I I I do this you know right that's Uh, what I think is harder for people to believe and understand is you know we 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 didn't become who we are right now because you know we did it for ourselves right it's we had it was something outside of ourselves which is Jesus you know Yeah. yeah which I think says a lot especially nowadays with the whole self-love and there's such a fine line right yeah between self-love and that whole self-help kind of culture going on um in the midst of you know this also like jesus awakening that i feel like is happening for people our age and our generation so right yeah yeah and that 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 i think is
0: the hardest part for most people to Mm -hmm. to understand people of faith Mm -hmm. Um, we're not saying don't love yourself we're not saying don't take care of yourself (laughs) don't do self-care routines like all those things are important and they matter like you and I were just having conversations about like I need to get into a better physical fitness routine Uh and I was like Sabrina you need to help me (laughs) right so we're not we're not saying those things don't matter but because it has become kind of like a new glorified self
1: religion yeah like me myself and i can get myself through anything yeah put myself first you know and that is a very slippery slope yep and i think that also ties into the the hookup culture yeah today right Mm -hmm. is is a lot of that it's um you know and children who have you know mentally absent parents yeah too is it all it's all tied into that so oh yeah yeah, yeah. it's a big that's a big yeah big mountain yeah. <laughs> discussion yeah umbrellaing all of that so yeah yeah and mm-hmm. so that's
0: why I wanted to bring you on because I think that your testimony and what you've walked through mm-hmm. um in kind of in that realm I wanted people to know mm-hmm. how how did you end up there mm-hmm. How did you, and, and how are we here now, right? Um, you mentioned parents and not all those mm-hmm. things. So tell us a little bit about who you were. Maybe, like, you know, give us the synopsis of your childhood and at the point where you felt you were, quote, um, kind of like, not quote, unquote, but like kind of losing yourself in that of me, myself, mm-hmm.
1: self-actualization um, experience. Okay, um, yeah, so let's see, growing up, um, I didn't, you know, did not, like, grow up in a religious home at all, and really no one in my family at all, like, the word God was never spoken, definitely not Jesus' his name, you know, ever, so it, that was all really foreign to me, um, and I grew up in a home that was, there was no sense of, um, you know, like, modesty at all. Mm. Um, It was... I grew up a dancer. My mom was a dancer. My mom danced as a showgirl in Las Vegas in a lot of shows. And, you know, I... She put me in dance as soon as I could walk. And I grew up on stage in tiny outfits, probably, you know, doing things that were not age appropriate, but it was normal to me. Mm -hmm. It was just normal. You know, my mom's billboard was on, you know, in Las Vegas strip and half dressed. And I was so proud, you know, that's my mom. There was no, you know, at that time, like no sense of, you know, me being ashamed that that was my mother because that was just normal. Right. Um, and you know, a lot of, you know, going to parties with my parents, you know, and even if there were kids parties, you know, for all of us kids it was still a lot of drinking going on and um, you know, all of my mom my mother's friends and a lot of them, you know, dressed very, um, I don't n- not modest. <laughs> um, which again was uh I didn't think anything was wrong with it. It's like sexuality there was no lesson. I wasn't taught anything about that, you know, mm-hmm. as a kid. So um That was kind of the you know what it looked like I guess growing up um I um I think that I you know really I wanted a a different relationship with my dad at a young age like I I was so young and I can remember always feeling like um I don't I just like understood things you know I was very observant and I was listening always to adults and like I I just felt things on a really deeper scale and um I think looking back, like it was probably like empathy, you know, but I didn't, I didn't know at the time that I was like feeling a lot, like, you know, hearing someone talk about something, I could feel that really deeply. And, mm. um, and yeah, but I parents and, you know, friends of my parents always telling me, Oh, you're so mature. And I, mm. you know, I kind of, was, I, I really I just grew up so fast. Wow. Like I was yeah. never a kid, you know, my parents, like we, and I, I had a wonderful life growing up. I, you know, so blessed beyond, you know, to have everything I needed and more, but, um, it was more like going out to fancy hotels and nice restaurants. Um, that was what we did as, you know, as we, a family. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't like deep connection, you know, like family dinners where we're talking and there was just none of like, that was really missing. Mm. And I didn't, I not I didn't know that at the time that that's what I was missing until much later in life. But, um, um, yeah. So there, there just wasn't that aspect, uh, as a family. Um, and it really kind of set me up for, for some difficult lessons in my life, you know, um, searching for that in things that I, you know, I, I didn't know that I needed that human connection that was not based on sexual intimacy, you know, and promiscuity. That was kind of what I, geared towards in my, um, later, you know, teen years, um, and such. So, so yeah, that was kind of what the home life looked like. Um, you know, being a dancer, I developed a, uh, an eating disorder pretty early. I was, uh, 14 years old when I kind of started to experiment with, you know, Going, How long can I go without eating and how many pounds can I lose this week, uh, you know, eating an apple a day, wow. dancing hours and hours, wow. you know, I was going to an art school. So I was, you know, take the train to school in Santa Ana. I'm in my academic classes until four o'clock and then in my dance classes at that school until five or six and back on the train straight to my dance studio in Irvine and dancing until 9 p.m. every day. Like wow. no time for homework, just like always you know, comparing yourself in the mirror, being okay. criticized by teachers, um, and that's just how it was. My whole, you know, whole teenage years, you know, elementary, I was always in the dance room, in the dance class in the dance studio. So, um, so yeah, kind of started to base my worth off of you know what I looked like, mm-hmm. um, how much like how well I could perform right. at the dance studio. I, I lived for praise, you know, up mm-hmm. until a year ago. Like that was. As long as I didn't care what it was I had to do, if I got your praise, like that, you know, that was fulfilling to me. So, um, yeah, that's kind of something I, I used to say as a joke, you know, I live for the praise, but I really oh, did. Wow. I really, really did. Mm-hmm. And it's sad. It's not funny. It's, mm-hmm. it is a mm-hmm. sad thing looking back. Cause I was just this, you know, this little girl who right. just wanted something deeper in life. And I was in this, you know, these scenarios where everything I, you know, was being told that I was good at was just based on performance, how much I could give, you wow. know, um, and just feeling starving, you know, empty. Like, yeah. um, so, um, so yeah, let's see then, um, that, that was, let's see, eating disorder kind of, it just, that was always there. It lasted forever. Um, really up until, Very recently, you know, I still have the body image issues days, you know, here and there, but not like I haven't been actively, you know, having disordered eating in quite a while, but that did play a huge part in um, what later, you know, after graduating high school, um, you know, drug addiction. So, but throughout high school, I, um, again, back to like that promiscuity stuff that was That was my persona. I was like, you know, that girl, um, every weekend, sneaking out, getting drunk, you know, 15, 16 years old, um, blacked out and, um, you know, pretty much giving myself away to anyone and anyone and not thinking anything was really wrong, you know, but I think maybe on a deeper level. There was, um, shame and guilt and maybe that's why I kept doing it and masking it with you know, drinking a lot and, and doing that. But again, that is where I felt my self-worth, you know, I'm like, Oh, if I do this, like this guy is gonna, you know, like me or how, you know, the way I dress was always about how many, what can I wear so that, you know, I get attention from guys right that's all that's all i wanted was like attention from men specifically um because i i didn't have that deep connection with with my father yeah you know i it was um our our, my father and I our relationship kind of fizzled it really changed when i was 10 years old that was the first time i got caught drinking alcohol and it was like ever since that day he he never treated me the same and i was we just would butt heads and i all i wanted was him to I don't know. Just call me sweetheart. I remember, like my friends, their dads would call them, and they'd answer the phone, and the dads would say, "Hey, honey." And I was like, I would be so jealous, like for my dad just to call me honey, you know, or sweetheart, or, you know, just any which, any endearing word, any endearing word was just like so small, you know, like but just that. Oh man, it would just that's like what I wanted so badly. So um, yeah, so man, uh-huh. high school was um, it. I, it's so hard to not feel, um, uh, to feel like so much shame, you know, and guilt. And I, 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 I really do. It makes me sick to my stomach when I think sometimes back on, on the things that I did. And if I had a daughter, you know, and she did oh, what I did, I would just, oh, I would kill me. So, um, yeah, that, that was, that was hard. And that, that really went on through my, you know, I graduated high school. I then, very quickly became addicted to Adderall and then cocaine and then it was meth and really uh, the basis of, of you know or, or where that kind of all came from was my body image stuff is mm-hmm. like you know wanting to just be so thin and you know I couldn't I couldn't function like just not eating like I still I was like a functioning addict so I was still working I was never even on meth you know, I was like managing um you know managing a juice bar while i'm totally off my rocker and nobody knew i was you know except for how thin i was i was sickly skinny but other than that i was you know i didn't want anyone to know i was like you know everyone just thought i was like this super hard worker which again played into the praise thing right you're performing your way through things how can oh my gosh you i remember um i had hired this one girl at the juice bar who actually happened to be a friend who i had had through childhood um she was like oh my gosh how do you how do you do everything so fast and I looked at her and I was like I'm on meth Jason and she was like what and I was like I was honest about her you know about it with yeah. her but I remember the look on her face she was like what but um you know I think that was kind of later on into the addiction so I was like I was kind of getting to the point where I was like I can't do this anymore so I was not so much trying to hide it but Especially like, you know, the uppers, right? The cocaine, the Adderall, the yeah. all that stuff that makes you perform. You can go and go and go, but you don't feel like anything, right? Right. Right. Unless you're coming down. Then you then you feel all the emotions. So uh-huh. I'm just blocking out all these emotions for years, like running on fumes and just Literally. Literally fumes, fumes. yeah. Um so I gratefully, you know, I didn't lose any Teeth or I never really looked like an addict, you know, I didn't, I didn't pick my face or anything like that. So I think it was, I was being a functional addict though. It's, it's almost more terrifying. It is because you can get away with it longer, right? Because you don't have all these consequences, right? Right. Where you're like, you know, lose your car and you have no job and you're homeless. It was like none of that ever right. happened to me. So I'm like, oh, I can keep doing this. I can keep doing yeah, this. And you're getting praised. Yes, yeah, And you're getting it. praised. So you're getting double the right. dopamine hit. You're exactly. getting
0: the, the biological mm-hmm. hits of, of a physical chemical inside your body mm-hmm. and then the outside connection that you said you were starving for. Yeah. So it's exactly. like double hit, right? And it's like you're trying to and then th- then you're trying to learn how to like calibrate mm-hmm. that that perfect formula right. of like oh. what is just enough to make me high performing, right? And not, you know, not show up to work right. right not to the point where I can't even show up to work right. and then get, you know, function, people love me right. and and I walk around mm. with a facade of mm-hmm. who I am yeah. because deep down inside I go home and I don't feel good about yeah.
1: myself oh it was it was a dark time dark dark right. time right. I was living in Las Vegas all by myself um yeah and now you know my parents didn't really know what was going on and yeah I mean I would I was just I you know you don't sleep when you're on that stuff so like, all I did was that all I wanted was to sleep right but come down was so hard to deal with and i was so scared of of becoming hungry because you know when you when you are on that stuff and you're not eating and then you you're off of it you get the hunger of like not eating for the past four months so i was so terrified for that actual physical hunger for food to come back i just that's, that is a big part of also like, just keep, going. Yeah, just keep going. I'm like, what, you know, not thinking like, how is this going to come out long term? You know, mm-hmm, like how is mm-hmm, this going to work out
0: mm-hmm.
1: during like, that time? How old were you? Like I was 21. I was 21 at that time. And I lived, yeah, I was there till I think I was 22. Um, so it was really like only a year, maybe, maybe a year and a half. And it, it got, it got pretty bad, pretty fast. I finally hit a point where I was like, you know, I called my mom. I was like, I need help. I need help. And I, mind you, I'd already been to, I had been to treatment, um, a few times before this already. So, you know, my first time being a sophomore in high school, my parents had sent me to a residential treatment center, you know, for the eating disorder and then for drinking. And, um, and I was there for, yeah, over a year. And that was really hard, you know, being in Utah at such a young age and like away, but my parents like I convinced them to let me have a going away party. You we know, all my friends over and we're all drinking at my house before they're sending me away because I'm drinking so much and you know Oh my god. So like that wow, the, it was just very confused. you know, it oh, it I they would the con- par- Oh my gosh. Yeah. 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 It was weird. It was wild. Um yeah. The contradiction. The contradiction. Of, of, you're not supposed to be doing this, but yeah, sure, have a going away party like where we know obviously everyone's drinking, or like come to visit me in treatment, let's go to dinner and like we'll have you know, we'll be drinking in front of you you know so it was just wow you know it was yeah. it was odd. or like
0: even like you said when you were 10 years old you got caught drinking mm-hmm. but the the levels of drinking that was around right you was so normal right yeah so why is it so wrong mm-hmm. that a 10 year old picks up right a drink right
1: accidentally or on purpose and I felt so much older than 10 because everyone's yeah. telling me how mature I am <laughs> you know and like all I wanted was to I remember being like 10 years old and being like I can't wait to grow up and like wear short little dresses and high heels and go to the nightclubs in Vegas like that's what I wanted when I was a kid wow. that's what I couldn't wait for like it's right you know that's not right. a healthy um it's not a healthy thought I think my my parents just thought that was funny you know not funny yeah I would be worried if my kids told me that that's what they were looking forward to um in their future so um right. yeah so came you know finally called my mom said I need some help um And then I came back to California, went to treatment for a few weeks, and then left like Mm -hmm. I had done a few times. Um, That was probably the the shortest uh, amount of time, though. And I am honestly, that was the sixth, sixth time I think I had been in treatment, sixth and shortest time. And oddly, you know, coming out of the worst kind of relapse that had happened so far. And I don't know what happened, but I, it, I just stopped. I don't know. I have no, I don't know. I th- maybe because I was, I didn't know who to get it from anymore because I was back in California. You know, I mm-hmm. didn't have any contacts here anymore. I didn't have any friends. I think one, the one good thing was that I didn't use with people. I was a, I was a loner user. So I didn't have those people on my phone uh, to call and be like, hey, where do I get this stuff? Yeah. But, you know, I I was always doing it on my own. Um... So that it was a blessing in disguise. Yeah. Although you know, it was it was lonely, but it it definitely made that easier. I didn't. I literally had no idea where to, who to call, yeah. where to even get yeah. stuff. So that was yeah, definitely a blessing in disguise. Um. So yeah, that was what twenty three. I guess yeah, about twenty three, maybe twenty four. Trying to mm-hmm. timeline's hard. <laughs> yeah, uh, lots lots of chunks missing. You know. Yeah. Um. Um. And then, yeah, from there, I, um, got into a six year, extremely toxic, um, you know, relationship. I'm mm-hmm. um, still at this point, no, no talk, you know, really about like spirituality, anything like that. Um, I had had one experience in high school with Jesus. Like my, my parents had sent me to a Christian school for my junior and senior year as, you know, not cause they're Christian, just because it was a punishment and they didn't want me going back to public school. Um, so I'd come back from my treatment, you know, sophomore year in um Wash or sorry, Utah, which I was, you know, okay. there for a little over a year and then when I came back they sent me to then um, this Christian school and I'm like, man, I like, I thought these people were nuts, I'm like these Bible thumpers, like well, they don't know anything. And you know, I had already, I was just you a depressed, already, you kid. had already lived, I, yeah, a, a, a heavy life yeah. at sixteen or seventeen. Yeah, you know, so I'm like, these kids, they don't know pain, they don't know depression. They're just like these perfect little lives, God isn't real, da da da. And um, so, junior, yeah, junior year was kind of a, a stinker. I, you know kind of kept to myself. I'd go to school, leave as soon as the bell rang, like didn't make friends. That was it. Senior year, made some friends, um, really good friends actually. And my Bible teacher, um, was, uh, a big, a big part of, I think of planting a seed in my head, even though I had still oh, went yeah. off and did no, all that stuff. Seeds, but are important. Yeah. She, um, I would like have lunch with her most of the time, you know, during lunch break. And, um, she, uh, you know, she had a really, really good testimony. Like it, it really hit me. I right. still didn't understand like who God was. It was just my, I couldn't wrap my head around it, but, um, but the love, her love for the Lord just, just would shine from her. Mm-hmm. Everything she would say, she was so maternal. It was like, it was like, it was like a, a mother that I really, you know, she was, yeah, she yeah. was just wonderful. Yeah. Um, So she had me read um, Redeeming Love by Francine Rivers Um, and that book I mean reading for me was hard like Mm -hmm. I didn't like to read but I read that book so fast and it changed my life. I felt the Holy Spirit for the first time the last day that I read that book it was I was like whoa oh my God, crying, bawling my eyes right. out, like felt so like I could feel the love of Jesus. Like I felt loved. I felt forgiven for everything that I did, even though I'd never read the Bible and I didn't right. understand all of that. But I felt that in that right. moment. I'll never forget laying in my bed, finishing that last page and, and feeling that wash over me. Wow. That was that first, um, and I, yeah, I'm still close with her to this day. She's a wonderful person. So, um, yeah, that was, that was kind of like the first seed planted. Then after Yeah, so I got got into that horrible relationship at, you know, 23, 24. No sense of spirituality until probably the last year or two, you know, two years he and I were together. I got into Buddhism. Mm -hmm. I was, you know, our relationship was so bad. I was still suffering really greatly with my my depression and my eating disorder. Um, Wasn't doing math, was taking Adderall here and there, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't nearly what it was. But the eating disorder was really bad, and I think that was um, just a result of feeling like that was the only thing I could control in my life because my relationship with that person was so out of control. Wow. Um, and I really clung to that because that was, you know, all I can can do is control what I'm, you know, the way my body looks, and you know, I just would obsess over it because I hated so much being in that relationship and I felt so stuck. It was like an addiction itself. I would try and leave, try so hard to leave, and I was like. It was like I would get withdrawals when I, you know, when I would leave him and I would end up going back. It was, it was really a weird, weird thing. Um, and then I started getting into Buddhism, um, and I was just wanting anything, anything to guide me to happiness, you know? And, um, I kind of brought him into it with me and it was so weird, you know, like we chant this chant. It's not even in English. I don't even know if it's, (laughs) I don't even know what what you were saying. I have no idea what I was saying. And they were, you know, they would tell you, you know, the longer you chant, if you, you know, that's, you're, you're clearing things out, you're making a path, and you're, when you chant this chant, you're on the same vibration as the universe, so you're, you know, aligned with the universe, and you can, you know, envision what you want in your life while you're chanting, so I'm like, okay, like, but again, that's putting all the power, like, in you, and, you know, you're manifesting, and whatever, and so I was into that for a while, and then, um, that kind of moved moved out of that into the new age stuff you know the the crystals and the reiki and um i wasn't super into like the hallucinogenic i had you know done a a couple things with that you know like mushrooms which you know just gratefully never was your thing my thing right because um i've had you know a couple people i know who that becomes their got got a really really bad really messed up their brain so um But yeah, I mean, got like certified to be a Reiki healer, you know, and, um, whatever that, you know, the tarot cards and all that stuff. I was upset. I mean, I was, that was my whole personality. It's who I was. It was my identity. Um, you know, the universe and we are all God, you know, God isn't separate from us. We're all, you know, one and, and that whole kind of weird culty thing that's still very much alive today, you know, um, and, yeah, just not realizing that yeah. there's a darkness to that. Yeah.
0: And, you know, and I think we can look at these different spiritual aspects and, and see, like, what they're after, right? Like, there's, there's aspects of, like, I can see how, okay, we're, obviously, we're not God, but, mm-hmm. like, God is with us mm-hmm. and is in us, yes. so we can amplify or exemplify who that is Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and there there's there's that distinction though Mm -hmm. but i'm not him yeah right Uh, right. versus other religions or spiritual views and especially in the new age stuff Mm -hmm. like um yeah that we are that right um or we can manifest that right to be right right and through, our will our will right. right and through a christian faith mm-hmm. it's like it's not my will right and so even if i wanted a mansion but god's like you're gonna get a hut for the rest of your life right then i glorify god because right. i live in that hut exactly right um again and, and it's not about what god can like give me it's about what god can do through give me, me and and yes, that comes with a lot of blessings and a lot of favor and a lot of protection mm-hmm. once we're walking in this faith. Um, but it's not, we don't become obsessed with those, mm-hmm. right? We become dependent mm-hmm. on God's ability to get us through whatever comes our way. Right. And as believers and as, you know, faith-filled people, um, we know we're going to get trials and tribulations and they're going to come. Right. Our life does not, quote-unquote, become easy because we follow God. It becomes healthier. We have a sense of, I get to do this for him mm-hmm. and for others to to wash people's feet. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And and to say, like your teacher from high school, mm-hmm. I will have lunch with you mm-hmm. every single day. Right? Yeah. That doesn't have to be her responsibility right. as a teacher, right? She She's deserving of her own lunch break (laughs) yeah yeah but yeah her heart of who god called her to be right a teacher where she was at planted her in that school and for your parents to quote unquote send you there as a punishment i know know. was a blessing that was going to shift the trajectory of your life in that moment it did Mm -hmm. but further down the line for you to say hey just like my teacher once said or told me or what I yeah. felt like. I know I can come back to this, mm-hmm. right? And so all of the bad that you had experienced up until that point in high school, right, that quote-unquote was a punishment, mm-hmm. all that was intended to hurt you and to harm you and to steal you mm-hmm. of the life God wanted to give you, mm-hmm. God's like, I'm still going to use it, right? So he always turns everything to good. Yeah. And that to me is where it's like so joyful and beautiful to watch, to say like, Baby girl, sweetheart, yeah, I got you. Yeah, no matter where you're at, right? And so, (laughs) thank you know, like he worked through your parents, even you know wherever they're at in their own belief system at that time, even utilizing like, oh yeah, you think that's a punishment? Thank like, I'm glad you're sending her there, right? Like that's exactly where he needed you to be, right? And for you to have an ability to to recognize that even how far gone you had gone into a different spiritual realm, mm-hmm. self-actualization. Mm-hmm. What was that turning point for you when you finally were like, I'm done, this is it. Like, I can't, I can't be doing it this
1: way. What was it for you that shifted? Um, I, had, I had kind of been following this woman mm-hmm. who was the one who kind of led me from, you know, she was in the Buddhist group with me it kind of led me into the new age stuff. Mm -hmm. I, um, I don't know why. Again, I think I was, I was just so desperate to follow someone because I didn't know where to look. I didn't know where to start. Right. I knew that there was something that I needed and I was just so desperate and I was willing to follow. She took me under her wing and she told me that, you know, I was her disciple and she believed that she was, um, you know the second coming of the Christ, um, oh, wow. and there was always these moments that didn't feel, that didn't sit right, right. when she would say certain things, but I just, I kind of would just blow it off, you know, I'm like, i because she would, was really good at, you know, be, saying things like, you know, that's, you know, your fear, or, you know, you gotta do this ceremony, or whatever, you know, to clear that out, or you know, that's, it, or, you know, you're projecting, or, you know, this is a mirror, you're looking at a mirror, so it was all these things, and she, she, really brainwashed me, I mean, this was, like, two years of what kind of following this woman, she really brainwashed me, and, um, it just didn't feel right anymore, all this, this stuff, because I, I still didn't, I would have moments of peace, yeah, but she would put me, she would, like, lay me down, and, and put me, like, I would, like, I don't know where I would go but I would be I would become like it felt like I was asleep like Hypnotized. yeah like some sort of I trans. would yeah because yeah. I you know she was like the only friend I had I remember when I would have like mental breakdowns or crazy things happen with that boyfriend I was with at the time or my family I would call her can I come to your house you know right and I would because she goes yeah yeah lay down um you know I've been working on this thing you know lay down and I would lay down and she would like I don't know I would fall asleep I'd wake up and I would be like a different person I'm like I was probably possessed by something that was masked as you know peace um she you know would tell people you know I am God I am God and I'd be like that is I don't that's just weird but I just didn't know enough you know at the Mm -hmm. time um we had you know she told me she went to Ecuador and she's like, you know, you need to come here. You need to buy a one-way ticket and come to Ecuador. And I was like, okay. So this was the beginning of COVID, <laughs> I'm like, okay. So I went, my friend and I, you know, my friend who um, was also kind of her disciple, right? But right. she lived in a different state. So, you know, we were both, we both came to Ecuador and, um, and it was just a really weird experience. Like a, my friend and I who were there, um, we were having like a wonderful time. Like yeah. we were living our life, you know. And then this woman, uh, I don't, you know, want to say her name, right. but, um, she was, would be like upset with us, you know, like this is, you know, we're supposed to have like spiritual m- meetings together and, you know, you guys are out there like just part, you know, having fun and partying, whatever. And, and this is supposed to be a learning experience, you know, and, um, she just, we weren't, you know, we weren't listening to her, but again, and, and through all this new age stuff, it's like. I think what I heard once is that the enemy will use a half truth, right. To kind of hook you in. Right. And, and then from there you, it's really, it's hard to discern like what is the truth and what's not. You're like, Oh, well, you know, they said this once and Mm -hmm. you know, that's like, you know, that's like a, you feel things in your, in your heart. Right. So they would, she would use like, even like things from the Bible, you know, and, and use that. And so that was kind of what hooked me in, but there was no, again, she was still out there like, you know, sleeping with people and you know there was there was still this like all you know, love everyone kind of hippy dippy kind of thing and, you know, wear hardly any clothing and dance provocatively and, you know, sleep with whoever. That was that was still very much part of the new age thing. There's so um I didn't think anything of that at the time, right? But um yeah, so I that time in Ecuador got really really kind of weird. She really flipped a switch and was, was treating me very differently and something just didn't sit right with me. She really wanted me to go with her to Peru. She wanted us to walk to Peru basically. And, um, I said, you know, and I, I was so hard for me to say no to her because mm. I was such a, I just listened to everything she said. And I said, you know, I'm not going to go with you. Sorry. I'm not going to go. And that really upset her. And I went on a walk one morning with my friend and we came back to the hostel and and we were like, where is she? And they were like, she left. She packed her stuff and she left. She had, you know, no phone, no, no nothing. There's no way to get a hold of her. Mm-hmm. And then that was that. Was that. And, um, you know, after a while we started receiving some really hurtful emails from her. Again, she thinks that she's god and um that she knows all these things and would be accusing i mean it was, she would cc everyone in the family on these emails and it was really wild stuff and i'm like okay this is not the truth mm-hmm. this is not the truth and i so i'm like i am i am stepping i am no i am done i think this the tie kind of got cut in ecuador like mm-hmm. i had finally cut that tie but really it was just as the time went on i was like this is this is not the truth everything that i have been practicing and learning from her was a lie Cause I still didn't feel peace in my heart after I'm doing all this stuff that's supposed to bring me peace. Right. Um, and a, a good friend of mine passed away. Um, and that was, uh, about yeah, a year and a half ago. I, before that happened, you know, I had been kind of away from this woman for a while and not really believing in anything. Um, but I had started to have these feelings of like wanting to go back to church. I was dealing with still depression and, and feeling lost in my life. Um, and you know undoing all of these things that she had taught me in my brain which is yeah, really hard to right? do um and so yeah i just i want to go to church and i said god okay i don't know if you're real or what you know where to start i don't know what church. i don't know how to even what church to go to but send me someone and um, i had met my uh, you know another friend um at the memorial of my friend's passing and uh you know he invited me to church and i was like okay god okay so we started going to church and then um I was like, you know, I wonder if Randy still, you know, Testimony. So I found that Testimony still around and I started going to Testimony again like for faith-based uh, you know, Consul. counsel. And um and then from there it all kind of just came together and right. I, you know, it just I didn't I will tell you though like the big big shift was just in June this past June. You know, I Um, that person that I had met at the memorial who invited me to church ended up being my boyfriend and we dated for, um, a little over a year. He, um, was an addict, was clean when we met, had, um, really bad relapse, um, lots of overdoses, which I had, you know, never been on that side of it. Um, and, um, I had to, you know, watch that, watch him die more, more than once. And that was a really traumatic experience, but it, all I, I, All I could do during that time was lean on God. And that is what got me through because I was a wreck during that time. But I still had some sense of like, God, you know, I know that you're here. Um, And I just leaned on him 100%. So that was like a really, uh, you know, kind of built up a lot of my spiritual momentum. I think that really hard time. Um, And then, uh, yeah, he got clean for a little bit. We moved out of state. um, And yeah that didn't work out so well we were only there for five months and then I, I left I came back home to California and um uh that it was you know the relationship was pretty over at that point and um and so this was in June and then I think the first month I was home I, I didn't get out of bed I was like you know I, I really even though we had gone through that hard relapse you know the the year prior together with he and I I still thought I was going to marry this person and um you know that was another thing right? God um, put on my heart when I came back to him was, was wanting to be a wife and a mother because I never wanted that before, um, ever. I was mm-hmm. like, you know, the mm-hmm. dating more than one person at a time. I'm never going to get married. That's so ridiculous. Like, you know, very right. much, I could you know, do whatever I want and be the a cool aunt who travels, don't want kids. You know, I'm not, how am I going to be able to travel if I have kids? You know, how am I going right. to just selfish? Right. Mm-hmm. That, that. You know, not that there's anything wrong with not wanting to have kids, but you know, for me, that was that was where it it was coming from—a selfish place for me. And I, you know, I know that now. So, you know, my whole life kind of came crashing down when I was like, "I'm not," you know, I'm feeling like I'm getting to this age where I, my clock is ticking. Um, uh, so I I had a hard time that first month being home. Um, you know, letting go of that relationship, and I think just letting myself feel all the pain from that traumatic experience of those few months, you know, of him, um, relapsing and me just kind of trying to figure out how to help him. Um, I didn't let myself feel it, I think at the time. So, um, yeah. And then after that month I was just, I didn't read my Bible. I, I would try and pray, but it, it, I was so angry and I just hurt. And then after a month I just I don't know what happened. I, I, I just woke up one day and I was just hysterical and I was on the floor in my room and I, I couldn't even catch my breath because I was crying so hard and I just, I was just pleading, pleading to God, God, please, please help me. Just please help me. I can't, I can't do this. I can't feel this way anymore. I can't take it. I feel like I'm going to die. Please just do something. You know, please just don't leave me. Please don't leave me. Just you know, just hold me, just hold me in your arms. Don't leave me. And um, and then I, I kid you not, like I, I woke up the next day, and I again, I didn't know where to start with this, you know. I woke up the next day, and a friend had said, you know, have you watched The Chosen? <laughs> and I started watching The Chosen, and it was like, it that was the whole start. Wow. Everything changed. I started watching that, and then for the really the first time, I started reading my Bible and right. and loving reading it. Like I couldn't stop. Yeah. It was like this incredible, and, and understand, I, this full, understanding. yes, full understanding, it hit me right in the heart, what Jesus did, you know, for me, like, it, I, I finally understood it with every fiber of my being, and I just bawled, and I just praised him, and you know, and thanked him, and you know, thank you for doing that. And I, and it just, he just slowly started to heal my heart with just that understanding of who he is, just that in itself, this, you know, the unconditional, unfathomable love, you know, that he has for, for me, for everyone, that was what healed my heart. Um, and just, And, and, and seeing, you know, seeing, look now looking back into all these parts of my life and seeing him there where I didn't at the time, but now Mm -hmm. being able to see all those times when he had his hand reaching out, just grab my hand, daughter, just grab my hand, you know, and I never did. And he still was there. So that was really when the shift happened and everything kind of changed. I'm like, you know, the modesty being the biggest thing, you know, like a, that was, that I never, ever thought that that would be something I would, you know, <laughs> understand. I was always like, I'm going to wear whatever I want. I don't care. You know, that was right, something right. I would get in arguments with my ex-boyfriend about. He was like, you, you know, you shouldn't wear that. And I'm like, I'm, I'm wearing whatever I want. I don't care. <laughs> and, you know, I'm like, oh, I need a whole new wardrobe now. I'm like, <laughs> I don't want a man to look at me ever. I go to the grocery store looking as horrible as I can because I want no attention from men. You know, I'm like... Seriously, well, there's a
0: <laughs> okay. Well, we could talk about you know but having so a healthy to- desire for your future husband, yeah. right? Um, yeah, there should be an attraction, yeah, but it doesn't have to be yeah. a sexual lustful, right. lustful, mm-hmm. right? Of yeah. um, mm-hmm. right, but yeah. yeah, I understand what you're saying, mm-hmm. and you know, I'm tearing up over here because man, you know that desperation that cry for God in that moment I you know I, I think we all fear getting to that point of like the lowest point mm-hmm. because we think that that's the worst mm-hmm. possible outcome and I think it's God's way of allowing us that right it's giving us free free choice and mm-hmm. free will to, to do as we please right. for as long as we like and yet he does not reject us right. um until we get to the point where it's like my way is not yep. the way. Mm. It's not working. Yeah. And so um, when we finally have that rock bottom, like I'm done. Yeah. And it's, it, it, it does. It feels like your chest mm-hmm. is compressing. And I, I think some people might call it a panic attack. Yeah. Um, when I had that moment for me, it was the most beautiful moment mm-hmm. as as horrific as it was to go through that agony right of experiencing that amount of pain um of saying like i can't believe i've gotten to this place but i'm also just realizing who you are and what you've done for me and i'm incredibly sorry but so yes. grateful yes. that you've been with me and that thank you god i'm not dead yeah. I could have been dead so many times placing myself in, in places, people, situations that, you know, and I know that not everyone's fortunate, fortunate. blessed, Mm -hmm. you know, protected. And, um, you know, I do believe I come from a lineage of some pretty, pretty strong faith, faith, um, you know, believers in, in Catholicism, but man, um, I I saw what faith did in their lives. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I don't, they weren't walking to the fullness in terms of what we know, but um, they were imperfect human beings, but who believed to the core of who they were, that God loved them and that God Mm -hmm. had them. Um, And so, man, your testimony is, Incredible. There's there's so much in what you've just shared. I mean, we we can spend an episode oh, on, know. On, on each
1: chapter. I, I of your tried life. so hard to, to no, summarize no, it, but there's no, like, like there's so, so many, many pieces, components, yeah, that really like, led to to
0: it all. And I'm I'm just you know kind of in in all of it again. Like I've heard your story, but even another recap of it, and and even thinking of this episode's going to air, and you know I don't know how many consistent followers or people <laughs> listening right it could be it could be 5 it could be 500 i don't know yeah. right um i i i can see how many people download episodes but i have no idea what that number actually means yeah. and so for you to share that though i am i am just i'm 100% certain that it's going to speak to somebody because yeah. How could it not? Regardless whether or not they've been through something like what mm-hmm. you've been through, there's aspects of your life that we've all touched on, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe it wasn't to the full extent right. of a eating disorder, mm-hmm. but it was to the point where we we got we got that sense of shame. We didn't we weren't satisfied with our body, and mm-hmm. what did we do to the extremes of what we did, or the performance aspect, or right. getting addicted to something, whether it's an, an substance or alcohol or anything food or sugar um
1: yeah
0: working out Mm -hmm. a relationship Mm -hmm. sex (laughs) going out you know like it yeah until you can recognize that you can have withdrawals from something that isn't even a physical substance right and so i that to me Mm -hmm. when i was beginning to just unpack this and let go of things i was like oh my god (laughs) literally god like i have been blinded like i i've lived in this like bubble Mm -hmm. of it doesn't matter what i put into my body who when where like like i have more self-autonomy right and and and, uh, knowledge Mm -hmm. than anyone here and you know it's my my body my choice and we all obviously have our bodies and we do choose what we, what we do and how we treat it and how we speak to our own selves about it. Right. It is a choice, but when we just throw it out into the air, like, ah, anything and everything, that means anything and everything comes your way and you allow space for that to come in. Um, and from a biblical perspective, we know that we are to um, hold every thought captive mm-hmm. and discern it and check it by yeah. by the grace of God and see like, okay, is this from God or is this something I'm picking up from the world around me right. that's saying this is the way you
1: should think? And, and it's like, and that takes, let me tell you, I think that is the, a big thing that I see. It's, it's like, that means having accountability, right? Right. You know, and 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 there is an aspect of like ego that needs to kind of be checked. With that, right, is is when you're doing something at a point, and you're you don't want to, you know, not do that anymore, you know, but you you're you're still gonna do it because you want to have the control, and doesn't matter, you know, who it affects or you know if it negatively negatively affects you. But yeah, there is like an aspect of accountability, and I think that that is lacking um, a lot in the world today. Um, yeah, I, yeah. it's, um, yeah. yeah, I know it's, it's and that lot. might be
0: hard for some people to hear, right? Like mm-hmm. we are held accountable yeah. to God. Yeah. No one else. Yeah. It is hard yeah. to hear. It's yeah. hard to hear.
1: And it's hard <laughs> to be like, okay, whoa. But that when you realize, and you know, when you and you really understand that you are forgiven, right? Then so you, it, it's not, it's, it makes it easier, right? You know, there's yeah. so hard, but it makes it, easier to to walk into that right, right. of okay whoa well, I've been doing this for all these and that is something too I would put on my hands and knees Jesus I am so sorry forgive me I did not know I didn't know right. I was so, I didn't know nobody told me that it was wrong I didn't know I'm so sorry you know like right. he knows that you and know he knows, yeah. he knows. He knows that. Yeah. You know now, Sabrina. You know now, <laughs> daughter. Get up. Let's start doing this. You know, like, it's okay. Right, right.
0: Yeah. And that we're not going to be perfect at it. And yeah. I think that that's something yes. as believers and, um, you know, followers of Jesus that we get criticized a lot. Uh-huh. As we should. Mm-hmm. Because if we're calling ourselves Christ right. followers, right. then... Yeah, we're held to a standard. We are held to yeah, a different an standards, and, and mm-hmm. there should be an expectation of how we are conducting ourselves and holding ourselves. But that doesn't mean we're not going to fail, right? Exactly. And <laughs> and when those times have come for me, it's my process of repentance mm-hmm. between God and I, mm-hmm. and bringing some along, someone along the journey with me, and saying, "Hey, I need some extra accountability yeah. in this area." Hey. It's getting tough. Mm-hmm. It's getting lonely. you know, I know that now I know the warning signs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 sometimes it's it's harder than others when I'm navigating different parts of it, right and mm-hmm. and allowing God to really correct me and to guide me and to show me that I am still fully loved, yes, fully his daughter. Mm-hmm. never. you know just like severed from him. Right,
1: yes, um, yeah.
0: That I I have that within him. Again, not that I'm actively trying to like go out there and do whatever I want and be like, oh God, please, okay, you forgive me, right? No, no. right. <laughs> but that I have that relationship to come back to no matter what. Mm-hmm. And that has been the most beautiful thing for me in in these last few years in mm-hmm. terms of I thought it was going to be like I'm done never again yeah. going to do a single wrong thing in the world <laughs> right. which hello we live in the world yes. so there's going to be worldly things that come before me mm-hmm. and that um I I don't 100% you know stay on track because I get distracted for a second yep. right mm-hmm. um and that I think has been the shift of what it's easier about what you're talking about not that um it's definitely not easier to, <laughs> <laughs> when you're in repentance and when you're really like in, seeking yeah, that from God, my it. gosh, it is, it is a, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a experience. whole experience, Yeah, but exactly. it's a good one. Yeah, And it, it reminds me that like how much I also have to give forgiveness right. to mm-hmm. people and give grace to people because I'm not perfect. I never will be. And God still loves and forgives me. So who am I to reject someone and say, no, you've done this horrible thing. So I can't. Right. I'm not saying don't hold boundaries. I talk about boundaries here all the time, but I can now be like, you know, I had, I don't, I don't know what they've walked through. I have no idea whether they're a Christ follower or not, Mm -hmm. what they're going through in this exact moment. And I can extend grace and forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And if we are in community and we're, you know, both calling ourselves Christ followers and I can say, hey, friend, I need to talk to you because I'm
1: feeling hurt about this experience and I don't want to hold this resentment. Right. And so. Exactly. Yeah. No, that was I like that you that you touched on that. That was good. That is a big thing, I think, coming into your walk with Jesus is feeling like, you know, it's, you're not going to be perfect. Right. You, especially for me, I'm almost 30 years old and I'm coming to Jesus. It's, this is 30 years of, of undoing, right? you know, things that I thought were okay and right. right. And, and again, yeah, we are in the world and there is temptation everywhere. Every single day, everywhere <laughs> you turn, you open your phone you're on Instagram. It's temptation. you know, it's like, it's everywhere. Right. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to stay in my room all day every day. <laughs> Bible or watching the chosen, just oh, you know, it's just no right. We can't do that either. We we have to
0: be out there, right, in the world. It builds your, yeah, it it, being the hands and feet of Jesus, right? Like your teacher, right, who was literally actively doing that for you. And then we get to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, and and the beauty of seeing you come into that right now is um profound, it's heart touching, it's heart warming. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that it's necessary for for people to hear, you know, we all have a completely different story. Yeah. We're all, you know, the logo at Testimony Life is yep. a fingerprint because we all have a completely different fingerprint. Mm-hmm. There's not a single person in this world who has your fingerprint. Yep. Like the same story. N- yep. Right. Like mm-hmm. there's going to be, there's going to be similarities and there's yep. going to be, you of know, course. some yep. parallels, but you are, unique. are uniquely mm-hmm. and wonderfully made. Yeah. And I'm excited for what is to come your way. I know there's different avenues and things that you're you're going into. Sabrina is a fantastic baker, my guide. Um, how you can make thank things you. gluten-free, sugar-free, <laughs> dairy-free, <laughs> vegan-friendly, all the things, you know, and taste so delicious oh, is you. beyond me. Like, what a gift. And what a joy you carry and a grace you carry when you walk into a room um god's life and light is on you so thank you for being a light in the world thank you and for shining bright
1: (laughs) not crying (laughs) it is literally (laughs) the most beautiful thing to watch and um i feel like i get to be my my innocent child sabrina again you know i never got to just be an innocent kid. I don't feel like right. I would just grow up so fast. and just taken from you. Yeah. yeah. And I have Jesus now. And it's like, especially when I walk into our Friday meetings, I'm like, I get to be a kid. I just get to, you know, I feel so loved. I feel like you guys are all these, you know, these figures. You're just so inspiring in your love for the Lord and everything you've gone through. It just, I feel so, um so safe there you know like I never felt that safety that Mm. unconditional love as a kid I never felt that and Mm. I feel that finally you know having Jesus in my life like I'm just I can be my goofy silly self (laughs) like a kid and I feel very childlike most days and it um and it that is Mm. I feel like the Lord brings that out of people right when you have him in your heart so I'm so grateful for you all. Thank you. Oh my gosh.
0: Thank you. Thank you you for being willing to come on, share something so personal and vulnerable. Um, Can I pray for you? Please. Yes, please. Thank you. Heavenly Father, it's my first time praying on this podcast, I think, (laughs) Um, but I just felt your presence here today. I'm grateful for Sabrina and the daughter that you've made her to be before she was even in her mother's womb. You knew exactly whose you were giving her to, God, and that she um, she honors her parents, regardless of what has, you know been, mm-hmm. that she loves them. and she prays for them dearly every single day. I, I thank you for the woman you've made her, for the childlike faith that she has God and that she's after your heart every single day of her life and that because of that her your light shines through her she is touching people's lives by just being who you've made her to be um, I'm going to pray for the business ideas that you're giving her, Father and if it's the bakery or if it's whatever it is, God just give her peace and clarity about that I, I lift her up to you I ask for favor and protection as she walks through this god and i just ask that you remind her every single day god from the minute she wakes up to the time she lays her head on the bed um that she is made perfect in you that she lacks nothing she has everything she needs and that we get to glorify you because of that god that we get to say in your strength father all things are possible so i thank you thank you for sending your son jesus for allowing us to experience the grace that you have for us in abundance more than we can ever think or imagine. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Father.
1: In Jesus name. In Jesus name.
0: Amen. Amen.
1: Thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank
1: you so much. He's so good. <laughs> He's so good.
0: Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> Friends, I feel like there's so much more that we could have been touching on, but <laughs> I, I wanted to give you the treat of just listening to someone's testimony, um, and it's it's something I get to do almost on a regular basis because of the work that I do.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but thank you again.
1: Yeah, thank you, Priscilla. Thank you, and I'm <sighs> so grateful to have you. Seriously, very <laughs> mm, really nice.
0: Well we'll we'll put an we'll say goodbye here but yeah. i'll see you yes.
1: on friday on friday morning so thanks for listening everybody
0: have a good one hasta luego that's a wrap amiga if you like this episode please like share and subscribe this is the best way to support me and I love hearing from each and every one of you. Seriously brightens my day. You can also follow me at Amiga Rise screenshot this listen and tag me. I'd love to know who's listening and give you a
1: shout out. Hasta luego amiga.